Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are. I'm your host, Sarah Poet. Women are healing from outdated paradigms and we are rising. And we're not doing it by fighting or further depleting ourselves anymore. We are doing it by remembering who we are and standing in that unified truth. Here, we remember together through stories, tools, and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Visit sarahpoet.com today for tools for your feminine, masculine awakening journey and to schedule mentorships and couples coaching with me directly. Now, let's begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 108 of the Sacred Remembering Podcast. I'm Sarah Poet, and it's so good to be here with you all. I want to tell a little sacred story first before the interview, and I want to ask you if you have considered what sacred remembering means to you. Okay, because I'm getting to realize, you know, after two years of doing this podcast, that the name isn't all that clear. (laughs) And I think that the interpretations of it are vast and mysterious. And, you know, not everything has to be crystal (laughs) clear. In fact, um, that's uh, the sacred remembering is about the mystic, um, the mystical and living our lives toward a remembrance of who we truly are. So, On this podcast, there are very sacred things happening, Um, you know, which is always the case in life. I'm I'm kind of pointing out the obvious for some of you, but I'm also, um, you know, drawing out some obvious so that we can be in relationship to the way that life weaves um, the stories and what is showing up in our lives. So, there's a lot of really magical timing with this podcast, with me as the interviewer, um, with the guests that come on and say, oh my gosh, the timing was really perfect for that. And then for so many of you listening, I hear all the time, I just needed to hear that exactly when it was on the podcast or, oh my gosh, that activated this remembrance in me. Great. Perfect. That's why it's here. Okay. Um, We are voices for the collective and what is going on in the collective. And today's episode has this magical undertone that... um, I want to share some of my own, um, you know, mystical witnessing and sacred remembering that happened between the time that I interviewed Emily Goodson for this episode and today when I'm preparing to release the episode. But first, a little bit more on what sacred remembrance is. Um, Sacred remembrance is about our direct connection to the divine, to the sacred, to the sovereign self, which our, um, you know, historical influences that wanted to exert 
power uh, over women and and humans um, just really attempted to have us forget that we have a sovereign connection to source. And so we are remembering that. Okay, that's one aspect of it. The other thing is that as we go through life playing by the rules or playing out, you know, the um, ramifications of what happens to us in childhood, um, we, you know, forget the innocence of, um, you know, being a divine creature. <laughs> we forget this for a time. And then um, among so many on the planet, there is an awakening. I'm calling that a remembering because none of this information is um, absolutely new to your psyche or your soul. Rather, it's an activation of truths that live in you. Okay. So that brings me to sacred remembering is really also about standing in the truth of who you are and shedding the old um, layers of programming and belief and um, self-doubt and limiting beliefs and things like that, that uh, cloud us from our access to the truth of who we are. And as we come into the truth of who we are, we become uh, rather unstoppable, which I would say I witness in Emily Goodson <laughs> doing this in her, uh, the way that she's living and her storytelling. And we are so blessed to have her here today. So what I need to share with you before I tell this story of, um, you know, sacred and mystical witnessing, um, is that Emily is partially paralyzed on the left side of her body. Okay. And she's going to tell a wonderful story for us about, um, you know, waking up to remembering, um, this feminine and masculine truth, uh, alpha and omega, um, energetics, she calls it, um, inside of the body. Now, for those of you that don't know, or a reminder for those that do, the feminine is the left side of the body, like the left, you know, uh, hemisphere. And the masculine is the right side of the body. Now, it's really interesting to realize this and begin to witness what is happening on your left side of the body and your right side of the body. I personally, oh my goodness, I live out not only my, you know, feminine, masculine reclamation through the body and noticing what the left side's doing and the right side's doing. Um, but I think I also sense collective energetics in this way. And so at some points, it's truly maddening <laughs> because I am sensing the balance or imbalance like in the uh, left and right portions of my body. Okay. So, so I want you to know that for um, the other 
portions of the story that I'm going to tell. So after I interviewed Emily, this was like two or three weeks ago, this particular story continued to come up into my field, like into my field of awareness. Either people were sharing it with me or, you know, I saw a woman do a reel on Instagram with this story. And I was like, huh, isn't that interesting? This continues to arise. And it's this story called um, The Bird of Humanity. I've also seen it called The Wings of Humanity. Um, and I'm going to read a little version of it for you that I just plucked off the internet. Now, I will say that people are attributing this story to various sources. And uh, the, the most frequent one that I see, now I didn't do extensive research on this or anything, um, is that they're attributing it to being a Cherokee prophecy. Um, so I reached out to my Cherokee friend, my friend who is full Cherokee, and he's also a storyteller in the Cherokee legend. And, um, like he tells a lot of, uh, really beautiful and original stories. And I asked him if he had heard this story and he had not. And, um, he reached out and asked his sister and she had not. And she said that it may, uh, it sounds like something that may be Choctaw. And so I cannot say that this is for sure a Cherokee prophecy. Um, and so I want to I wanted to just share that. I want to give uh, credit where credit is due, and I'm just not sure if that is um, actually true. But this, it says, it states that the bird of humanity has one male wing and one female wing. I think we could also say one masculine wing and one feminine wing. The bird of humanity, it says, has been flying for centuries with primarily only its masculine wing, and the feminine wing has been unable to fully extend. Due to this, the male or young or alpha wing has gotten overly masculinized to the point of violence, power over, um, pushing, and the bird of humanity has been soaring in circles, unable to fly in a balanced direction. The prophecy says that in the 21st century, the male wing will fully extend and express itself fully. Um, I read that wrong. The, f the female wing, the feminine wing will fully extend and express itself fully in both women and men. And the male energy, the overly young energy will get to relax and the bird of humanity will soar. So that story continued to present itself to me. And I kept thinking about my friend Emily. And I was thinking about the story that she told in this podcast. And I was thinking, wow, there is something very, 
very, very sacred going on here. And yesterday, I was listening to a podcast in my car after dropping off my son to school. And I'm literally listening to this story being told in the podcast in another version. And I'm behind a big truck with an eagle on the back of it. Okay. And so again, we're noting the mystery. We're noting how the pieces come together. And I come home and I begin to research this bird of humanity legend and or prophecy. And I also, um, looked up the eagle. And there's also another prophecy called the eagle condor prophecy that, um, the, Achuar, I believe I'm saying that correctly, people in the um, Brazilian Amazon um, have, and this is simply my paraphrasing of that, uh, but it's a very similar story between two birds where the condor represents the indigenous ways of being and the more earth-connected ways of being, and the eagle represented the, um, you know, a, a disconnect, the pushing, the the, um, the the dominance over systems. And in this prophecy, beginning around the late 1400s, okay, when Columbus landed, okay, and um, it was a 500-year prophecy, and it said that the eagle and the condor will be begin to uh, fly together again. So another representation of Alpha Omega, masculine, feminine, and this, um, you know, essence of what we have called masculine, we have associated with pushing, with the need to take it all on, um, with the need to kind of armor up, Okay, um, you know, prove ourselves, dominate systems, have power, this and that. Okay, and so that is not the true essence of the masculine. You know, I said this in my TEDx, you can find it at sarahpoet.com, but I said, that the masculine in absence of the feminine will take on those traits, those behaviors. But that couldn't ever be the true masculine because the true masculine could not exist without the presence of the true feminine. And so we are in this great, great period of reconciliation, of literal rebalancing. And it's, ha- it's happening again. But yesterday, as I was tuning into this, I messaged Emily and what happened was that I spontaneously had tears, I spontaneously had an emotional reaction kind of in my throat. And that's what I feel again right now. Because, you know, little old me, I don't exactly know what's happening with the, you know, 
sacred remembering story of Emily coming onto this podcast and telling this story at this time, and then me hearing this bird of humanity story since I've interviewed her and thinking about the rebalancing of the feminine and masculine. But my friends, I can tell you that right now, as I sit here and record this, talking to you with my eyes closed, and I think of this woman and what she is doing in her body and her life, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, and my emotions are telling me and my soul is telling me that this woman is so important. This woman is so important and her story is so important. And like I said, my friends, this is sacred remembrance. I don't have to know exactly how Emily's story signifies or hmm, signifies a healing in the world, but also, you know, everything is energetics, right? So when this woman is telling her story and when this woman is, um, bringing the life back into the the feminine side of the body, these sensations that are coming back into the left side of the body. I don't know the ripple effect of that into humanity, but I know that this woman is vastly important. And that is what I feel. And so that is what I am sharing. And so what I invite you to do is listen to this story in addition to this long introduction, thank you for sticking it out. I invite you to listen, yes, with your ears and also with your soul and with your heart. And then I invite you to open and allow your own sparks of remembrance, open to witnessing the mystery of life and how it wants to unfold for you. What are the images, the symbols, the stories, the messages that are coming to you right now? Please do not disregard them. Absolutely everything is connected and everything is happening for you in your life and in your perception and in your awareness. And so as I say this, you know, about Emily, and I um, look at this story, I'm also welcoming this alchemy, you know, into my own life, I, I encourage you to do the same. You know, as you hear something, as something moves you ask, how is this a reflection of me as well? How can I say yes to this um, rebalancing Rebalancing of feminine and masculine is actually a phrase that I have resisted using. <laughs> and so I'm actually going to just sit and reflect on that. I mean, I'm just going to reflect on that after this episode because I know that a lot of people want to talk about balancing the feminine and masculine. And I've resisted saying that. Isn't that interesting? For me, it's been more of an integration or working on the feminine side for a while and then the masculine and looking at the feminine behaviors and the masculine behaviors inside of myself and, and working on that alchemy. Sarah Thomas and I did an episode on inner alchemy. And, and so on a soul level, when the alchemy happens, it doesn't always feel balanced. But this topic here today is really um, inspiring me to to be in that inquiry myself. 
So I want to bring you the episode now. Thank you for being here. Thank you for allowing the frequency of this podcast to move you, to activate you and your own remembrance. Thank you so much for sharing with your friends. I know that you are, and I very much appreciate that. Thank you for uplifting women like Emily Goodson, who are changing the world. Okay. Um, I hope that this is okay, but after we recorded this episode, um, a very important piece of writing that Emily um, wrote is scheduled to be released in the LA Times. You go, girl. And so please follow E.C. Goodson on Instagram and, you know, look at this emerging um, thought leadership piece that's coming from her on the alpha and omega um, in her body. Okay, so many, many blessings, infinite blessings. I'm here for you. Please check in with me at any time at sarahpoet.com. And I love to have conversations with you. Anyone can book a 15 minute chat if you'd like, and you can look at um, private opportunities to do mentorships with me, couples coaching with me, all of that. All of that is there. You know where to find it. Um, so without further ado, here is Emily. There is a call inside of women to be in community again. You have been doing so much personal healing work, so much introspection out there on your own, and now you're ready to step into space with others. I feel it too. If you want sacred space that welcomes modern women as they are, that integrates masculine energy with the feminine energy. In other words, it's not just a goddess feminine circle. It's a circle of women coming back into union and unity. Then the sacred remembering membership is for you. Think of it as a sacred feminine church meets educational library meets instructional energetic practices meets healing circle. It's all there and it's all in community. I have pulled together multiple groups of women in the past three years. And what I can tell you is this, there is always purpose and magic to who gathers and why we are soul family. Truly. If you're listening to this, your soul family. And so the sacred remembering membership community is the next space to step into that tribe. And you're so welcome here. The membership includes an archive of resources, channeled content, teachings, energy activations, and so much more. My three published ebooks are in this archive, the Divine Mother Architectural Series, my Healing Man and Money Trauma Teachings, and more. Also included are live calls twice a month, bonus calls, and interviews with experts. And perhaps the best part, there is a Mighty Networks community where you get to meet one another, share out what you do, ask for help, seek sister guidance, etc, etc. This is for you. I have created it for you, for us. You can join today and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next live call. You can go to sarahpoet.com, find the group and sign up and we'll see you soon.
Hey, Emily, welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. Thank you, Sarah. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you here and um, and to get to know you a little bit because for listeners, sometimes I really, really know my guests really well. And then sometimes like we're just getting to know one another. And so um, this is one of those times where you and I don't know one another yet. So um, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm going to read your bio for everyone listening and watching and, um, and then we'll get personal. Um, so Emily Goodson is a committed to challenging how companies chart their future trajectory, having built and led the talent and people function for various high growth companies. Emily now partners with organizations intentionally through training, speaking and advising engagements as a child, a brain injury left her partially paralyzed on one side of her body. She found, however, that her challenges only enhanced her ability to overcome difficult tasks through resilience and problem-solving skills. Emily has learned from personal and professional experience that a person's adversities are most often untapped potential that people and companies can use in order to grow. Awesome. So yeah, so you built your own business, it sounds like, through your experience. I did. So two years ago, I started my business. Um, It was this intuitive hit I had in fall of 2019, honestly, which was just in time. Yeah, Just in time. I did not consciously know what was coming, but um, I had lived in, um, built a career, lived in Washington, D.C. for about a decade, building startups and visited California once, really felt this calling to move out here. And at the same time with getting all of these sort of hits from the universe that it was time for me to start my own thing. Um, And so moved out here, moved to Santa Monica, October, 2019, launched the business January, 2020. And here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So, I mean, how has it been? Because you're doing a lot of speaking, consulting, How's it been during the pandemic? Yeah, great question. I ask. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's it's been the, the best adventure and journey I think I've had in my life. I, um, you know, twenty twenty was incredibly challenging. It was incredibly challenging because I was, you know, in a city where I didn't know anyone. I knew one person, and. Um, you know, starting a business is hard. And I'm sure you can appreciate this, Sarah, but like, I feel like we don't talk as a society, we don't talk about this a lot. We talk about the, you know, the victory of the unicorn or of the fundraising or whatnot. It's hard. I mean, I cried almost every morning. It was just so challenging because it's very lonely Um, And when the pandemic hit, I wasn't getting clients because everybody's budgets froze. Yeah. They're not going to work anymore. They're like, uh, you know, motivational speakers are like not at the top of the list. I feel like maybe now there's like a resurgence, hopefully. There is. And, you know, it's been really interesting because I think the, um, the most exciting part about this journey for me has been 
I started my business to advise startups on workplace culture and how to create better um, experiences and homes for their employees. And I still do that. That's about 50% of my revenue right now. But, you know, one of the interesting things about the pandemic and about working virtually is I was on a call with a client. This is probably a year ago. So it was probably a little less. It was probably March 2021. I was on a Zoom with a client and they were talking about how, um, how frustrated they were that their recruiting process was not more diverse and inclusive and how do we attract more diverse candidates. Mm-hmm. And it was an interesting moment for me because in listening to them, they were over-indexing on one aspect of diversity, mm-hmm. which is the superficial, what you can see on a Zoom. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because at that point, they were just interviewing candidates over Zoom. And so they were talking about gender, race, things that you could see. And it was an interesting moment for me because when you look at me on a Zoom, you can't tell that I have a disability. Like you, I, you know, don't, when I stand up and walk is when you can see that I have a limp or, you know, if I raise my left arm, you can see, you know, it's curled up. My hand is, they had no idea. And it was this interesting moment for me of, there are millions of people like this in the world, right. Who have invisible disabilities, who have, you know, things that people don't know about. And so sort of at that moment is where I really started to pivot my business and and maybe not a full pivot, but adding in this kind of motivational component to it. Mm -hmm. Um, That was such a gift to me that, that moment of, okay, you know, yes, I need to talk about building inclusive workplaces, but this is the world showing me that I need to represent more of my authentic self to it. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. And so how did that change your work? Are you, you, mm-hmm. you're encouraging more vulnerability? How? Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. It's a, it's a great question. To be honest, I'm still figuring it out. To some of course. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think the first thing it changed is I started writing more about my own personal experiences yeah. um, with disability. And, and to your point, that required a and requires a whole lot of vulnerability that is is challenging. And um, so the writing was sort of step one. And then this past May, so I'm getting my years all mixed up here. Yeah. (laughs) It's all working together. (laughs) Yeah, I guess March 2020 is when I had the conversation with the client. May 2021 is when I did my first speaking engagement about disability. Um, And that sort of came about... Um, magically is what I'll call it. A, a good friend is a um, a former Paralympian, and he could not do a speaking engagement and referred it over to me. And at first, I you know I was like, Ugh! <laughs> you know, I can't do this, but um, but I did it, and it was this very liberating moment of you know to to do this speaking engagement where I talked to people about what I had learned from my physical challenges. And, you know, it was so humbling afterwards to watch people come up and say, oh, I've had this happen, you know, or I I presented, you know, sort of resilient, the concept of resilience. And so it wasn't just about physical abilities, but it was just so humbling to watch people react to that. Mm 
Um, and so from there, I really started to build out more workshops, more speaking around resilience, ability, um, inclusion. So that's sort of how initially the business has pivoted from not just having advising, but having kind of my thought leadership um, featured as well. Beautiful. I love this because we're hitting so many perspectives. Like we're talking about female entrepreneurship and the different ability and we're going to hit like feminine masculine. So we're really just um, that together here today. And I'm really excited about that. Um, So one question that I had for you um, is about the word disability. And this is just Mm -hmm. really a personal question. Um, I have a master's in special education. And so I worked with a lot of kiddos of varying um, abilities. And I started to say different abilities, like a couple years ago. And but I hear you saying disability. And I'm wondering, um, just about that, like about the word and how you relate to the word. Such a good question. Um, I have a very complicated relationship with the word because I'm sorry if it's like it's probably the most giant <laughs> question ever. <laughs> no, no, it's it's a great question. Um, no, it's a, it's a great question. I was on this um, podcast a couple months ago, and and somebody was talking about the word handicapped, and that, and I I haven't done enough research into this, but like the etymology of that is actually. I think someone who's begging on the street for scraps or money. And so, it, you know, I think about, I find it interesting to think about words because, you know, we don't always know the kind of history that they carry with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what I mean by that is I have a complicated relationship with, with the word disability because like for year, decades, I didn't own it. Um so I had my brain injury when I was eight. I'm now 36. I and I, I it's not an exaggeration to tell you that I really didn't own this part of my identity up until about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't growing up, I didn't want to apply for the the parking, the special parking placard. You know, I didn't want to be thought of as different. And I think um the world clearly thought of me as different and, you know, sort of my internal reaction to that was like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to be the box. Like I don't want to be the box. And, you know, I still believe, like I firmly believe that our identities are not a box, right? Like identity is so much bigger than ability. Yeah. But at the same time, I was rejecting that part of my identity. And so because of that, I feel like for years and years, I would never even admit that having a different ability or, you know, that was part of my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, the language itself, I mean, this is something I talk about with companies all the time is, you know, language is hard, right? Because we all react to language differently. And, um, you know, I talk with companies a lot about this idea of person first versus identity first language. So Mm. I'm a woman with a disability versus I'm a disabled woman. Yes. So important. Yes. So important. Right. And like, I prefer I'm a woman with a disability because, you know, that to me, my person and sort of my whole identity is, is comes first. 
but not everyone prefers that language. And so, okay. you know, cause some people really like the idea of I'm a disabled woman because that's them um, owning something that in the past mm-hmm. wasn't empowering. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Totally see that. So, I mean, to me, the language all comes down to intent, right? Mm-hmm. You know, are you, if somebody says something to me, is, is it coming from a place of good intention or is it coming from a place of wanting to hurt me? Or is it coming from a place of unconscious intention, yeah. which is most often the case, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that about your personal ownership um, and that there is an inhibited ability, it sounds like, on your left side. And so you're, you're owning that. Yeah. 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 Uh, rather than like running from like the, the you know, um, and I'm assuming you can um, speak to this, although we don't have to drudge it up, but like there's probably a lot of that external and that judgment and that ignorance like throughout your life. And, and so like you owning it, you get to, um, you know, describe the experience, have the experience, educate others on the experience. Um, yeah. Any, anything popping for you there? Yeah. Lots. Um, um, no, that's right. And I think, um, so I guess the first thing that pops is, you know, one of the first articles I wrote about um, disability is this idea of I recognize that as hard as it is for me to have these conversations, it's harder for people who don't have the lived experience. Right. We, yeah, we benefit by yeah. you sharing for sure. Yeah. Uh huh. Exactly. And, you know, and I think, um, yeah. And for years, you know, kind of to your point, like, you know, I remember growing up as a, as a little girl and it, it was very difficult, right? People stare at you, people ask what happened to you, people, you know, my, my mother, um, from a very good place, but also it had a hurtful impact, you know, would say, oh, you can't wear that shoe or you can't, you shouldn't travel because like, what if you get stuck on top of a pyramid in South America? Like, you know, but all those things like compile. Right. And so Mm -hmm. as a child, my reaction was like, Oh my God, we're going to shut this down. Right. We're shutting down owning that part of your identity and we're shutting down the emotion because it's like, it's too much. Um, to handle. And, and so, you know, I think I, I shut that down for a long time. And then the past, you know, year, year and a half, you know, back to what we were just saying, it's, it's, I've recognized that, you know, me having a little bit of this, you know, sacrifice, sacrificial vulnerability for lack of a better phrase, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> it's so helpful to people. It, it, it's, it's shocking because, um, you know, that, um, you know, that one of my newer interests I've told you is talking about dating and disability and how um, I haven't dated many men at all. And, you know, that's, you know, a whole other conversation um, that we can get into if we want, but yes, yes. um, 
it's been fascinating to watch. Like even yesterday, I told somebody, you know, they, they asked, what are you writing about right now? What are you doing? And I said, oh, you know, I'm writing about my experiences with dating a disability. And she responded, she was like, oh yeah, you know, uh, she told me this story of, you know, a, a man she had met on an app and they wanted to get together, ended up, he blew her off, I think the first time, the second time they were going to get together. And she said, you know, no, I, I, I think I'm, I think I'm okay because of how he had acted the first time around. But his response to that was, oh, is it because I'm deaf in one ear? Right. And it's, it's, everyone has a story like this. Every single person, I mean, it's, it's just humbling to me of, you know, and, you know, I, I'm not trying to comment on that story right now, but more so it's just humbling to me of like, anytime I say this, somebody has a story or like, for instance, a man at a car wash who was a writer, he asked me what I was writing about. I told him and he said, yeah, you know, erectile dysfunction is a disability. <laughs> And I was like, you know, like just this outpouring of... You're like starting conversations. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, um, it's so humbling to like, to do this and then to know how to navigate it is, is challenging. But it's, um, again, you know, it's that vulnerability of like, if not me, who's going to do that? Like nobody's done this really to date. Yeah. Um, I have chills all over my whole body right now. Wow. Okay. So I want, I want to talk about that more. And I know that you have so much to share about like being a woman in a body and, and all of this. I want to ask about resilience first. Okay, great. Because, um, it's a topic that I've navigated a lot. It's a topic that I've navigated on the podcast in my own life. And, um, I had a lot of trauma as a kid. I didn't quite know how much until I started to unpack it in my thirties. Mm-hmm. And then, but like my body knew my body remembered mm-hmm. and had all of these like, you know, uh, trauma adaptations. And the thing is, so, um, you know, part of why I have guests on the podcast is so that we can, you know, speak to our own experiences. So I'm not speaking about your story. You know, it's like, to your point, we need you to share your story. Um, we need everybody to share their own story and we need to like listen and understand. Um, and so my story isn't your story and I don't want to overlay that. But my experience and kind of where the question's coming from, I was really resilient. I was like a badass because I had to be. Um, I was like scrappy. I could overcome things. And then it got to a point really a couple years ago, kind of like 2018, really 2019, where I was like, fuck resilience. Like I'm sick of having to be resilient. And so I just, I just want to jam with you on resiliency um, because it's so important. And at the same time, it's like, oh my God, I have to be resilient again. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I, yeah. Yeah, that resonates a lot. Um, are you familiar with um, London Angel Winners and Justin Patrick Pierce? Yes. Right. Yes. 
So I they have snakes. She has snakes. She There's a whole other thing. Yeah, I want to go see her snakes one day. <laughs> she, does. I, she actually, I think, has given, since passed them to somebody else. Is oh my gosh! Me. Okay, um, she's a little girl, so that's a little yeah, good. like giant uh, serpent um, <laughs> therapy. <laughs> okay, all um, right. Yeah, but in London, um, so London's one of my teachers, and she's I think just phenomenal for people listening, like go follow them if you haven't already. Um, but London, so I did a lot of work with London the past year to unpack myself and, um, discovered the same things that you're describing Sarah. Right. And the way I talk about it is, you know, London and Justin use this sort of energy description of alpha and omega, right? Alpha is more of this traditionally masculine, but we all have alpha within us and we all have omega within us. And omega is traditionally, you know, more feminine, go with the, you know, flowing emotions. Alpha is more structured, more conscious driven, more freedom driven. Yeah. So anyway, that framework, you know, people can identify with that framework or not. It's totally fine. But for me, identifying with that framework helps me to like understand what has what I've done historically from a resilience perspective. And, you know, what I have found within myself is I literally alphaed up my entire life is what I say. Right. I, and, and I had to, I mean, I think, you know, I, I had this brain injury when I was eight, I got out of surgery, was in a wheelchair, couldn't talk, couldn't walk, couldn't use my left side at all. Um, and at that point, right. I mean, what are you going to do? You either, you either give up or you make it work. And yeah, um, I made it work and it, you know, have made it work the best that I could. And, um, you know, we can get into more stuff around that and the body and how the body is amazing and adapts. But the flip of that is I worked so hard to make it work. I mean, I was, I created this like force field of resilience, right? It's like nothing's penetrating that. Um, And yeah, no, I agree. That's one of the things that I really discovered through my work with London. It's kind of like you were saying, like I find myself now and I think it's also the business like I think starting the business showed me this too of like I would have these days where it's like I am so I am so sick of being in charge like can somebody just come and help me do something right like I'm just yeah. I don't know if I can cuss on this podcast oh, for sure okay. yeah. <laughs> I'm just like it's like right there are days where I'm like fuck resilience like fuck it like I, I want somebody to like help me. Like I'm so sick of being alpha and I'm so sick. Um, I had this, Oh, I, you know, it's funny. There's this piece I wrote. Um, I think it's called the inequity of a can opener. And I talk about like products and disabilities. Um, and in it, like I talked about how I sometimes feel like I have asking for help fatigue, right? Like, it's like, I'm just so sick of having to like, ask for help and like be resilient and like push myself through another situation. It's like, it gets exhausting. I mean, it really does. And I think it, you know, it boils down to 
how, or at least for me, it boils down to how do I balance these energies, right? Like, how do I, like, for me, I have gotten better about asking for help because a long, for a long time, I didn't ask for help, right? So mm-hmm. is it, yes, I'm having to power myself through the business right now, but I'm asking for help in this other area or I'm receiving a gift um, from this person, you know, like how are, mm-hmm. it's all, for me, it's all about being aware of those energies, but like, yeah, I mean, there's sort of that dark side to resilience that I think people don't talk about because it can, it, it can be exhausting. I think particularly for, um, particularly for me, it, it has been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks for talking about that. And I like, there are so many different ways to talk about resilience and it really is so important. I mean, when I was working in schools and I was doing all of the like trauma trainings and I discovered, you know, the word resilience inside of the trauma trainings, I was like, yes. I mean, this is like, you're saying as a child, like when these adverse experiences happen to us, our ability to get back up and keep going, like, absolutely. We have to have that. Um, And, and then, yeah. So you're saying alpha and omega, you know, the, the masculine and feminine is the language that I most often use here on this podcast and, and throughout my work, I really like the alpha and omega as well. Um, And I don't know how they talk about like the different, shades of of that energy right because uh, like the masculine the action the getting up the, yep. the doing what needs to be done i mean there's something so so beautiful about that and then in the absence of the feminine or um you know in the absence of like gentleness or emotion um it can be uh, too much or um yeah. rigid or you know um, like you were saying, a hard time letting people in, um, yeah. hard time asking for help. Yeah, I totally. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's the balance, you know, either with two people in a partnership or it's the balance internally. Um, because for me, I was so, you know, hardcore on that masculine side. It was just, it was too much, you know? Yeah. So let's talk more about that discovery, like in yeah, your yeah. body as a, a woman and a feminine yeah. essence being like, as you're discovering this, what was that like? Yeah. I mean, I'm just <laughs> in love with my body. I mean, my body is just like <laughs> my best friend. Um, and I, you know, I write a ton about my body and I have pages upon pages of notes of things in my body because it's been, um, been so interesting, particularly in the past two years. So, you know, brain injury when I was eight, I went to therapy for a couple of years. Um, and then my parents didn't want to kind of push me into therapy. And so I didn't really do anything as a teenager. And, you know, in college, I, um, I talked to some people about some different things that would help me tried a few things to help. Um, I mean, the main, just to kind of give people context, when, and I, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know uh, like exactly how this happens, but after my brain injury, my, the condition that developed on my left side is something called spasticity. I don't know if you've heard of that, No, um, but it's basically like extreme tightness in muscles. And so okay. like, 
like how my hand, like how these fingers are curled inward. It's because the muscles are like so tight. They don't want to release. Um, and so I've got that going on in my wrist and in my left ankle. Mm -hmm. And so in college, talked to a few people about things that would solve that. And then sort of like, I hate to say it because it's awful. Like ignored my body, you know, all throughout my twenties. And I don't think it was ignoring it from a place of hate, but it was more just, this is how it is. Like, this is, you're fine. You've built this great career. You went, you went to a great college. You got a master's degree, you know, you've moved yourself here, there, everywhere. It's great. Um, But then when I moved to California in uh, 2019 and then in 2020, I found out about osteopathy, which I don't know. Are you familiar with that, Sarah? I'm not. Okay. Fascinating. You're going to, you'll be into this. Fascinating. So osteopathy is like this um, second branch of medicine from a traditional M. So a traditional MD, that branch of medicine is called um, allopathy. I think that's how you say it. Okay. Okay. Yes. Well, okay. Yeah. Osteopath. Yep. And osteopathy is like a DO. Yeah. Doctor of osteopathy or osteopathy. I'm not really sure which is correct. Okay. Okay. Um, but um, it doesn't matter. But it's this type of work that, like, you know, they, it's very hands on energy work that moves, um, works with the nervous system, which I know we're both fans of. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, when I started this work, we did a ton of work on my vagus nerve and like calming down my fight or flight. Wow. And so, you know, it was interesting in 2020 is when I started this. So 2020 is when I started working with London, you know, in this sort of like coaching relationship of what's going on with you, mm-hmm. masculine, feminine, alpha, omega. And then at the mm-hmm. same time, I'm getting this hands-on body work mm-hmm. and it was a lot. <laughs> I mean, it was, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it looked like life-changing. Yeah. And it manifested like, you know, it's funny because it actually, the first way it manifested is um, when I'm getting a treatment for my osteopath, I'm lying on the table, right? And so typically they'll, you know, they'll, they'll kind of do some manual manipulation of the head or back or whatnot. Um, and you can feel, or at least I can feel the energy moving, Mm-hmm. within your body. Mm-hmm. And for me, the first sort of manifestation was I would laugh uncontrollably, like literally laugh because the energy, you know, like, I mean, if you look at this, right, like the energy's clogged up in there, right. It's been clogged yeah. up in there for decades. And you think about what you had said earlier about all that trauma that's stored in there, like, you know, that's how it manifested is like, I would just laugh to get it out. Sometimes cry, but usually laugh. Um, Could you feel the energy going down into it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can feel the energy moving. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, you know, there's a very interesting, um, I don't remember who I heard this from, and I don't know if you've heard this, but somebody once told me that the left side of the body is more the feminine side of the body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the right side is the masculine, which is highly interesting because my right side is my dominant side. I mean, this Mm -hmm. whole, my entire life has been built using my right hand, arm, leg. Um, My right leg is longer than my left leg. You know, I mean, it's just, so it's just fascinating to think about 
what all has been happening, you know, as this, as you know, my osteopath loosens up my left side. Um, and he is like, I mean, I can, you know, this shoulder is much more flexible now than it was a year ago, but you know, it's fascinating to think about how, like what I'm physically doing in that, in those treatments ripples over to energetically what's going on. Oh, of course. I mean, this is like all coming together in your life, yeah. like no accident that you're over there in LA at the time. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. And so when you said osteopathy, I think is how you pronounced it. I went to an osteopath, like when yeah. I was having this like adrenal fatigue, like in my early thirties, trying to figure out what was going on with me. And like, they didn't even know about adrenal fatigue. So yeah. I'm like, they're not all created equal. Or something. No, oh no, no, they're not. Energy work. Yeah. My, my no. gal did not know about the, the energy work. So, um, I don't know if it's like in their, you know, job description kind of thing. So that's a curiosity that I have. That's what I'm yeah, it's um so I never heard of it of osteopathy when I was on the East Coast. Yeah, and right. um, you know, I found out about a, a, doc- a doctor in San Diego because my father actually went to to an energy work seminar yeah. in Virginia, which is bizarre because he never does that, but for some reason he went, found yeah. out, met this doctor's ex-wife. I got connected to this doctor in San Diego. Awesome who I saw for a year. Um, and then I, you know, I moved down to San Diego for a little bit. I missed LA. Um, so I came back up here and I got referred. Um, the guy I see up here is like the most incredible osteopath I've ever met. Cool. Apparently he's the best in North America. I mean, that's what people tell me. And he is incredible. Like it's, you can tell, I mean, you, I'm so happy for you. I, awesome. Here, I'll give you I'll give you a, a tangible example. One of my like goals right now is to show, not tell with awesome. stories. Like okay. whenever I speak to companies, I feel like my teacher comes out and I'm telling like instructions. Yeah. But let me give you, I'll give you a story as to like how I knew osteopathy was working. When I first started working with the guy in San Diego, probably saw him two or three times. And he was doing a lot of like work on my ankle, like moving it around and whatnot. And I hopped on my Peloton bike, which I love. Um, and for the first time ever, I was able to like unclip my left ankle from the pedal as opposed to like taking my foot out of the shoe. Mm-hmm. And so that was, it was like wow. at that moment, that's where I was like, yeah. yeah. I was like, this yeah. is working. <laughs> um, yeah. That's really intriguing. I yeah. worked on, um, I, I like gave energy work back in the days of like, um, Reiki trainings and things mm-hmm. like that, um, to a woman who was paralyzed from the waist down. Cool. And like when the energy moved, she kind of shot up um, because there was sensation between her legs and she didn't have sensation between her legs. And she's like, I didn't know if I peed on the table or like yeah. what had happened. Yeah. Um, but she was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe how much I just felt that. Yeah. Um, so I wonder about like energy work and, you know, paralysis. I don't know. I, w- I would love, I mean, my goal is to write more about it. And like Michael, 
at some point is to do a host podcast similar to what you do and interview people about this because I think there's a huge unexplored area here. Um, The other thing that has helped me a lot with sensation, you're a fan of this too, is Kundalini yoga. Um, And that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's wild. Like it's, um, you know, I'll be in Kundalini yoga. We do a practice where like, you know, you kind of tune in and then at the end of it, sometimes we hold our breath, right? You kind of squeeze your body internally. Mm -hmm. Whenever I squeeze my body internally, like not only can I feel the energy coming up the spine, but in my left ankle, I feel that ankle more properly, sitting more properly because my ankle drops because of like, it doesn't sit like it should. It drops a little bit down at an angle. Okay. But when I do that tune in and Kundalini, like I can feel it rotating up. I mean, it's why I think there's so much that we just don't know about energy work and paralysis and muscle weakness and all of it. You're on the leading edge. I am. (laughs) I know. That's I I, thank you. Thank you, Sarah. I am. But yeah, that's why I want to write it. That's why I'm I'm trying to write more about this and like have more conversations because, you know, this could have been life changing for me if Mm. I had known this at 10, you know, and like if, if whoever the next little Emily is out there, like if she could know about this, um, you know, and here's another great example. My, um, I've been to an acupuncturist here in Santa Monica a few times, mm-hmm. had great results. She said pretty much the same thing to me. She said, if she had seen me right after my brain injury, she would have me back to 90%. Wow. And again, like, I mean, I had my brain injury in 93, like very different world than we live in today. Right. right. Um, but like, I just, I feel this call to educate people about this because Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No one knows. Like, and yeah, I mean, I I'm so with you again. I'm still filled with chills because we are on so many in so many areas figuring things out so that the next generation can get the information sooner. And like, I just have this giant uh, piece of my heart for the children. You know, like a, a career in education and um and all the time I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? But this has kind of really come on my radar again the last few weeks is this like, we go first so that they have it easier. And like every generation has kind of done that, you know? Um, and so the, the next little Emily will get the information because somebody's <laughs> going to hear this podcast and tell their friend who has a child that needs it, I you know, know? and know. Um, these little light beings are just going to, um, you know, get the help they need faster and then advance the earth further. Like, I mean, it's happening right now and you're 36. It's like, you're getting yeah. the information, you're advancing the planet. Um, <laughs> that's how it goes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's kind of wild. Oh, it's, wow. it's, it's an honor. I mean, it's, it's humbling. Um, yeah. yeah. And I just want to witness the, um, yeah, I guess I, I would, um, call it vulnerability you can call it whatever's true for you but like the you know you're you're realizing these things and assimilating them and and putting them right back out there into 
um, educational materials and working with companies and yeah. um, formulating your company. And so you are like <laughs> in it. And um, so deep bow to, to you for all that you're, um, I would say like alchemizing right now. And yeah, absolutely. There's something about, um, I, I want to go back before we finish to the topic about dating and because we talked about dating kind of generally, we talked about um, the feminine and the body. And I, I just want to check in with you and see if there's anything else there about um, your own experiences as a woman that you um, wanted to talk about today. Yeah. Or anything else about the dating piece? You know, there's so much here. And I, you know, I think what, what I would just say, what, I, what I'll touch on is um, I, I always struggled as a little girl with representation, right? I remember, you know, watching the Oscars and thinking, oh, like, when is somebody who walks like me going to win an Oscar? Or like, can I be on stage? Like, I love theater. So, you know, I remember thinking like, oh, I'll be on stage, you know? Um, And you never, or at least when I was growing up in the 90s, like, you didn't see performers in wheelchairs or, you know, um, you know, any kind of varying abilities. We just didn't see it. And, you know, now I think we're getting better. There are, you know, lots of performers with different abilities on, you know, stage and on in movies. But we don't see a lot of that from a romantic perspective. You know, I think Netflix is starting to have some shows about people, you know, I think believe with autism dating other people with autism. Mm-hmm. Um, Love on the Spectrum, I think. I haven't seen it. But, um, you know, I sort of had this moment where going back to the vulnerability piece where, you know, you always hear, or I always hear people say, we have to be the leader that we need, right? Mm-hmm. So this is one of the lessons that I've I've talked to CEOs about is like, whether it's COVID or whether my aunt, my aunt, who's my mentor is actually the person who said this to me because she was in, um, um, she was in Africa during one of the terrorist attacks a while ago. And she said, um, you know, I realized I needed to be the leader that I was looking for. Like I had, there was no one else coming. I needed to take care of my people and be that leader to them that, mm-hmm. you know, that I wanted. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I've almost taken that stance now with representation. Right. And uh, I, there's nobody out. Like, I mean, there are, I mean, clearly there are other women with physical disabilities, but it's like, I need to be that sex symbol for my, like, I need to be it. Right. Like it's me. Like, (laughs) right. And so it's it's like, that's, I think the learning is like, I need to like stop looking for this, like representation, not stop looking, but the representation of a woman with a physical disability in the media talking about dating or dating people or, you know, what partnering, whatever, whatever it is, like, that's me. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's, it's like, I realized I need to just be the sex symbol. Like it's me. Um, however that looks. 
That is so inspiring. It makes <laughs> sense. I love it. You're in LA. I don't know. Where's Netflix? They need you. <laughs> Your own. Um, yeah. Like series of like. I know. I know. I know. I mean, seriously. Wow. It's yeah. good. Something's going to happen. So I've, I've, um, I've written last year, I wrote a short film about my experiences with dating and okay. I actually did audition last year for, um, there's a great, if people are listening and they do have different abilities, there's an amazing, um, social account called respectability okay. that I follow and they post casting calls pretty regularly. Um, and so I, I applied to one last year and I did audition. I didn't get the role, but, uh, but you know, like some something's alchemizing here. Something, wow, I something. feel it. <laughs> I do. I, I feel do. it. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, and you. Yeah, you went and like positioned yourself there to. Yeah, I mean, have access to so many things. I mean, like London and the yeah. uh, doctor, and you know, thank goodness for for the uh, the resources in that space. Amazing. We've covered a lot of ground. <laughs> we really have. I'm so glad to meet you officially. And um, I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. <laughs> like, I know. Me follow up. <laughs> next year's like <laughs> follow up. I know. You know, it's funny. I, um, I talked, I was talking to my leadership coach yesterday, who, you know, Mary Margaret yeah. Kelly, who's incredible. Mm-hmm. And she said, she said, I taught her, I taught her maybe every three weeks. And she said, out of all my clients, you change quicker than anyone I know. She was like, every single time I talk to you, it's like, you're a different person because of everything that's happened. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot. I mean, and this is this time of great awakening yeah. on the planet and, you know, people have, like figuring things out. And I love how the universe was like, I'm going to position you <laughs> across the country in this place with these different resources and a lot of film connections. Yeah. And <laughs> that's so cool. Well, Emily, thank you so much for being here. Why don't you... um Share with us where people can find you and um, if they want to get in touch with you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks, Sarah. Um, so my social handle is EC Goodson. So my middle name is Carter. So EC Goodson is like my Instagram, my Medium page. Um, my Medium page is where a lot of my writing is about disability. Okay. And then um, my sort of company is culture smart um and culture smart is sort of the branch of my brand that does the workplace advising so that's where i work with startups typically early stage to help them scale workplace culture um and so that's workculturesmart.com um but please reach out and you know as particularly anyone in the you know who's struggling with a disability, um, please reach out because I would love to connect you with like any of the resources I have. Um, I, I see a new doctor almost every week just to continue to learn what's out there. So if anyone needs resources, please shoot me an email or a message. Um, and I, I want to see if I can help. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thanks for being you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you.
This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.